Welcome in to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I am your host, Les Lukach. I'm pleased to be joined by Northern California Scouting Director Blaine Clemens. Uh, Blaine, we start this podcast off with a little bit of somber news uh, over the weekend. Uh, the California baseball community lost um, a couple of individuals who, one, made a significant impact on the game and the other who was well on his way to making a significant impact on the game. CIF Southern Section Assistant Commissioner Glenn Martinez passed away after a battle with cancer at the age of 63. Martinez, who was Bishop Amat's athletic director from 79 to 98, uh, was also the head baseball coach for 19 years, winning over 250 games there. He won seven league titles, won the CIF Southern Section Division I title in 1996, after a runner-up finish in 1995, coached just some legendary players out of Bishop Amat, uh, guys that went on to play pro ball, guys that have gone into coaching, uh, notably Eric Valenzuela, head coach at St. Mary's, uh, Gabe Alvarez, assistant coach at USC, among others. Uh, Martinez is survived by his wife and his two daughters. He was named the assistant commissioner of the CIF Southern Section in 2011. Just an awesome, awesome individual. I got to know him uh, not very well, but well enough over, over the last two or three years. Always willing to take my calls, always willing to talk baseball, and was always, always interested in up-and-coming players. Uh, CIF Southern Section and Southern California baseball in general just lost a great man in Glenn Martinez. And Blaine, uh, another loss of life, an unfortunate loss of life in your area uh, as a young man uh, passed away uh, after a, a serious car accident. Yeah, terrible news midweek last week. I uh, was in communication, uh, ironically, with uh, Kirk Vasquez from Westmont High, a 2020 grad. Um, his, his summer coach, Ernie, uh, and I were uh, on a text uh, late at night just about players, as, as we do oftentimes. And um, Ernie says, I have to go. Uh, I'm at the hospital. Um, and so I had this bad feeling in my in my stomach. And uh, by the time I woke up in the morning, he had, he had responded again with information about um, Kirk and his uh, car accident. Uh, it was following a game. Um, following a game last Tuesday, I believe. And, and he was on his way home. And um, our road conditions have been poor, you know, due to rain. And, and in that region where, where uh, he lives, uh, some of the roads can be a little bit a little bit tricky. Um, Kirk was a, a left-handed pitching outfielder. Uh, he was committed to the University of Pacific. Uh, by all accounts, you know, teammates, and, and I know the team that he's played on with Ernie and the Bulldogs, um, and I know a lot of the kids, and I know the type of person that um, you know, Coach Ernie is. And you know, he some of the teams they've had are, are, are solid teams, but he's always got great kids. He's always got really, really wonderful kids to be around. He he's got an eye for a certain type of uh, young man and, and by all accounts Kirk was one of one of those not just a special player uh, but a special young man and uh, anytime we hear of uh, any young man what uh, any person um, it gets highlighted as a, as a student athlete that, that there's there's knowledge of, of passing um, but any loss of a young life like this is certainly tragic in, in our hearts and um, our thoughts and that's all we can offer uh, to the community of Westmont High School to the California Bulldogs to uh, more importantly Kirk Vasquez and his family and his friends, um, you know, and all we've been able to offer to Ernie and, and that community is just that we can pray for the strength of those uh, around, around their families um, and around that community. It's uh, as the season goes on. Um, I know that the Bulldogs, uh, Kirk's summer team, have, have uh, got a development of playing for number eight the rest of the year. They've they've got some. Um, special tributes to him, and uh, it's it's certainly not something anybody wants to go through, and certainly not anything these young people have uh, ever ever hoped to. But uh, uh, we do know that young people are resilient. We do know communities are resilient. Tragedies do happen, and all we can do is say we're we're sorry. And uh, yes, we we lost an opportunity to see uh, what this young man could have become as a as a player. But uh, more importantly, um, we've lost a good young person. So uh, our condolences to the Westmont High School community, uh, California Bulldogs, and more importantly to. Uh, the Vasquez family. Well said, Blaine. Uh, you know, just two very tragic losses of life. Uh, we will move on here. Uh, we recently released our 
Power 25, the updated rankings for our team rankings. And we had some mix up there in the top 10, Blaine, uh, thanks in part to a strong uh, showing by Cypress High School last week, who knocked off number one, Orange Lutheran, uh, and they moved up to number two. Uh, Huntington Beach slides into the top spot there. Orange Lutheran drops down to three. Uh, Jesuit comes in at number four. Harvard Westlake bumped up a spot to number five. Clovis North jumps up after winning the Coca-Cola Classic there in the Central Valley. They are 7-0, and and they're checking at number six. Number seven is La Mirada with a 6-3 and record. De La Salle, who you saw last week, dropped a spot or two to number eight. And Yukaipa and Buchanan uh, move up a spot each to round out the top 10. And the theme here, Blaine, with this Power 25 seems to be some top matchups here in the early goings of the season. Uh, as mentioned, Cypress uh, defeated number one Orange Lutheran there on Friday night, two to one, in a game that uh, Steve Doherty will talk about a little later in the podcast. As he was there, just a really good pitching performance. And, and we're starting to see these teams really match up and load up their schedules in the early parts. And, and you saw that up in Northern California with uh, De La Salle and St. Francis. Yeah, on Saturday it was a, a rainy day and there wasn't much action going on. But uh, given the beautiful facility there at St. Francis and turf mound, turf plate, turf everything, and uh, some overhang for some for some of us to watch, it was it was the only show in town, basically. And yes, these, the theme of these top teams playing each other and us having a chance to see them compete against each other, it gives us an unbelievable awareness of, of how to rank them. Uh, you know, it's a snapshot in time. It's one game or small sample sizes, but you see, you see the intensity of, of the competition less, right? Like these teams know they're playing a good team. They know that there's rankings. They know that the competition means something. It's, it is the best part of high school athletics. And yes, uh, De La Salle, St. Francis uh, matched up in two of our you know, regional power programs, and it was a fun game. We saw some highlights uh, from both teams. It was a 3-2 win for the Lancers, um, and they, they rode the uh, right-handed arm of a 2020 junior p- a pitcher named Joey Schott, um, tall, lanky young man. And Joey, we'd seen him at one of our showcases earlier uh, in October in Central Valley, but Joey went CG. Uh, he had some bumps in the road in the, in the, in the seventh inning, he had to pitch through some traffic, he had to pitch through a, a homer by, uh, Blake Burke, uh, yeah, that outstanding sophomore left-handed hitter, uh, in about the second or third inning, he took a line drive off his shin, uh, from another talented young hitter from De La Salle, Keone Coloma. Uh, he shook that off. He kept going with three pitches. Uh, he just competed. You could, you, you know, you're really close to the field there at St. Francis from where we were watching and you could just feel his emotion and his energy and, you could feel the competition and uh, yeah, that Homer made it three to two uh, in the, in the top of the seventh and he had to pitch through an infield single and an air and their coaching staff let him go. Uh, and that was really fun to see. So uh, kudos to Joey shot, but uh, just a great chance to see two of our teams that we expect to, to be battling And St. Francis. Uh, we didn't have him in there early and they've certainly uh, made us take notice with that early five and zero record. Yeah, no doubt. We had we had something similar down here where Yukaipa and Jay Sarah got together uh, about a week and a half ago. In addition to, you know, what we've seen here with Orange Lutheran and, and Cypress and, you know, East Lake and down in San Diego. And so these early season big time matchups are, are really exciting, uh, you know, for a number of different reasons. And as you mentioned, they kind of have that playoff feel to them. Oh, yeah. Right, where yeah. it's just really intense and everybody is dialed in on every pitch and. I mean, that's why these teams generally go on to have you know success in the postseason as well, is because these sorts of games definitely prepare them uh, for for that sort of environment. Yeah, it's like when you see in college basketball, and you know the Dukes and the Kansases play each other, and and they challenge each other early in the year. Yes, that that can only make them better. They're they're by and large most of these top programs they love the competition. You know, not our, in the nature of high school sports is you can't you can't control your league you play in. There will be you know, programs that you're going to play every year that are just not going to be as strong traditionally. And that's just the way it is based upon your proximity and and size of the schools that you play and that kind of thing. So uh, these programs that go out and look for competition, which just only makes every player better. And, and uh, kudos to all the coaches that take those challenges. Um, We feel good when we get a chance to see them play a Buchanan and a Franklin. I saw them, you know, the night before I saw St. Francis and De La Salle, It's, it's two programs we felt strong about. So we got to go watch them play each other and just build more of a feeling about what we what we knew and thought we knew about each team. 
Yeah, that game that game didn't disappoint at all. <laughs> no, two to nothing. It was a it's a pitcher's duel, and, and we often see these pitchers duels, especially early in the season, given the weather and pitchers coming out. And, and these top teams have good pitchers, but yeah, it was uh, T.J. Fontaine against uh, Grant Stevens, uh, both Division One left-handers going against each other. They do it a little differently, but. Uh, up and down the Buchanan lineup, I think it was the se- some senior hitters, some senior experience that was ultimately just a little bit more for the Buchanan Bears over Franklin. Um, Fontaine was great. He was up to 89 as the first time uh, some of us had seen him that firm, and he was he was that firm deep into the fifth inning. Uh, and it was uh, a, a single, no, first inning there was an error, um, and a guy scored on, a, on an infield knock, I want to say, and then Grant Stevens held it together until about the sixth inning, and then he left a changeup up, and uh, Miguel Ortiz uh, slammed one over the left field wall, past the trees, and through T.J. Fontaine's father's car's window. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I, I saw that uh, comment there. That's pretty. That's pretty darn funny. And I saw your video of that home run, and oh man, that ball was uh, that 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 ball was abused coming off the barrel. Yeah, well, I saw the video on Twitter today on our, on our bomb squad, uh, hashtag PBR bomb squad. It's, uh, about 3,500 other people have seen that video by now as well. Yeah, it's, it, the ball was absolutely destroyed. Uh, so let's shift gears, uh, Blaine, from team rankings over to player rankings. We will be releasing our updated class of 2019 rankings uh, here in the next day or so. And just sorting this stuff out, you and I, along with the the rest of, uh, you know, scouts on our team have have kind of really dived into these rankings here in the last 10 days to really hammer these out and provide a fair representation of, of, you know, of players in our state. And, you know, we're going to expand this to about 200 players here uh, this 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 go around. And the one thing that really impresses me, Blaine, and just looking at these rankings is. I mean, we have seen, I want to say about 99% of these guys, 98% of these guys, uh, you know, since we last put out our rankings uh, at the end of 2018, I mean, we've seen a whole lot of players, uh, which gives you know me confidence knowing that what we're going to put out is a pretty fair representation of, of the players in our state. For sure. Uh, that's that's a big part of what we're trying to do is, is, is I use the word fairness and, and, you know, you're not always right when you're fair, but if, if your process is clean and your process is, is uh, based on a foundation of seeing them and using your own eyes and, you know, reputations are important. We need to hear of some things. Some players are improving and we're hearing of them as uh, we haven't had a chance to see them, but putting the eyes on them uh, without a doubt gives us a, a great feeling of confidence to say that, Yes, this is how it's uh, represented currently. Um, obviously, they're not absolutes. Uh, we do our very best, but yep, putting the eyes on them is is what you do. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, we have uh, just sorting through here. It looks like we have about five or six guys that have, you know, made a climb into the top ten or or shuffling in within the top ten. Uh, you know, it's 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 pretty interesting. There's a, there's a couple guys though uh, that that we've been you know alerted to. Uh, you know, a guy like Ethan Hurt, for example, out of Turlock, uh, you know, we, we, we heard about him a little bit here in the last couple of weeks just from opposing coaches. Uh, he, here's a guy that's been up to 95 with a really good breaking ball, a you know, Nevada commit out of Turlock High School. You know, he saw a pretty big climb. Uh, you mentioned T.J. Fontaine. Uh, you know, he's, he's seen a pretty good climb. Down here in SoCal, uh, the right-handed pitcher Julian Aguiar, out of Millican High School, who's headed to Long Beach State. I was able to see him uh, in December, uh, right before, or pardon me, in January, right before we headed out to the Super 60. And, you know, he's as advertised, uh, I mean, loose, clean arm. Uh, he's touching 93, 94. Uh, you know, he had he had some heat there uh, at that game to, to see him. I saw him once since and, and the number of scouts has doubled. Uh, you know, who, who are some of the guys on on your side of the wall, as you like to refer to it, uh-huh. <laughs> that, that, have, that have made a little bit of a climb? You know, we mentioned Hurt and, and Fontaine, uh, you know, but there's a couple other guys in your area that that have made a little bit of a steady climb, uh, you, you know, who, who you're excited about seeing this spring. Yeah, there's a couple of them, and they're left-handed hitters in particular. Uh, the early season games and some of those matchups 
facing quality pitching has given us a chance to see you know, Ryan's been down to see Steven Zoback. Uh, he's a left-handed hitter out of Valley Christian, who, who was a, a tooled up kid, a strong young man with a chance to de- keep developing that power from the left side, good arm, uh, good body to continue to fill out. And Ryan saw him in, you know, in those three games against uh, who was it, Orange Lutheran and uh, South Carolina, Texas. So we continue to be impressed by his uh, power potential and he just keeps steadily moving up. You know, we, we, I came across Steven, I want to say last Early last year, at uh, early last February, actually, and on, on a Valley Christian team loaded with Division One guys, and I remember coming away and telling you, and even writing it down, that uh, uh, on a team with a ton of talent, he might have had the highest highest ceiling. And as it turns out, that uh, that statement, that that feeling, has proved to be true uh, as he has gone on. Uh, another player that I know and personally from having watched him the other day, and the gut feeling I was getting was that's getting some some bump just from performance uh, because he's uh, got teammates that are seen is uh, Miguel Ortiz, uh, the, the young man we talked about hitting that homer the other day for Buchanan. And, you know, a lot of scouts have been in to see, uh, you know, ultra-athletic Brock Jones, the outfitter from Buchanan, who's a Stanford uh, commit for baseball and football. Um, Brock is off to a bit of a rough start this season. He's, he's working into it, and he'll find his way through. But as as the team is playing well and as, as Brock is working out his kinks, uh, Miguel is uh, certainly hitting the ball very well, and, and he's not an unknown. You know, he's been area code. Uh, team he's he's been on the on the scouting um circuit he's been seen and he's been uh, recognized as a talented kid but right now he's performing and when you have tools now you're starting to put performance to it in the springtime now that certainly gets the scouts excited so uh he's another one we're excited about right now uh way up a little further up north over our wall is uh, the left-hand hitter colin barber out of pleasant valley and colin's another one who has just continued to hit there's a great feel about that left-handed bat and we're looking i have not seen colin uh, yet this spring uh, we'll see him soon enough when their schedule allows it, and it's another you know, two two and a half hour drive north. So uh, getting our pockets of population up here is, uh, has been something we're working on. Um, but he's another one that's got that. And yeah, you mentioned hurt. How about that, right? Like a converted catcher who is all of a sudden, you know, out in, in uh, Turlock, which is along the Highway 99 corridor where there are players, always have been players. Um, but you will, we will get pop ups out there. Uh, there are players out there in small schools like Seth Tomzak at Argonaut, uh, this young man, Ethan Hurts. They may be the two hardest throwers uh, in Northern California, and they're out there in, in the 209 area code and um, you know, doing their thing, and we're, we're, we're looking forward to seeing both those guys real soon. Yeah, you know, and then a couple other guys down here at SoCal that, that, that scouts keep uh, you know, talking about to me. You know, Keone Cabaco down at Eastlake High School, we saw him at the San Diego State MLK team camp was – you know, up to 93 on the mound, but his bat has just been lights out. Uh, I know Jack down in San Diego has seen him several times, and he seemingly hits a home run every time that Jack gets eyes on him. But uh, you know, he, he's a guy that that's really, really climbing. Uh, another guy that that's climbing out of, out of the San Diego. Uh, area is uh, right-handed pitcher Trent Lopez. Uh, he's you know low 90s, 92, 93, big power bat. You know, six foot three, physical guy. Uh, he's a San Diego State commit, but you know he's another guy that scouts are starting to sniff around uh, on quite a bit. You know, when you're touching 93 from a loose, easy arm, and you're athletic oh, yeah. enough to hit bombs and and play third base at a high level, uh, you, you know you're going to get some looks for sure. And, and you know, Les, that's it. It's interesting you say all that. You talk about this guy, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but we, we, we talk to Shooter and we talk to our national guys and we talk these rankings, right? And they've been, they've been asking us about this 19 class for some time, like asking us, who's out there? Is there a guy going to go this high? Is there a guy going to go that high? They don't have a great feeling. Not a great feeling. They don't have a great, I guess, love of the draft class of these kids in California. But you mentioned all these kids that are climbing, Hurt and Lopez and this is the nature of California and your area in particular is that give the kids a chance to go out and play in the spring. They are out there and they will emerge and they're coming. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, and these guys, the guys that we just mentioned, you know, those guys are, are certainly out there and those guys are, are definitely coming uh, and they're coming strong here uh, in the rankings that will be updated and released uh, here tomorrow or the day after you can check out prep baseball report dot com for those rankings as as we'll be posting them on twitter at pbr underscore california on instagram at pbr california uh rankings will be updated uh and released here in the next couple
couple of days, followed by our national rankings. And for me, it's always interesting to see, you know, our national rankings are up to 500 players now, Blaine. And it's always interesting for me to see how many guys from our state uh, get in. I believe that number last last time was uh, somewhere in the 65 to 70 range. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how many of those guys get the uh, get the call, if you will, uh, this yes. time around. Yeah, at some point we'll get over that 100 mark. We'll get over the 20% mark and uh, let the rest of the nation know that uh, we may be one of the newest states of the PBR family, but uh, we've been doing this for quite a while out here. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Blaine. Well, again, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, until next time, you know, we, you know, we'll look forward to your continued coverage of Northern California. Uh, you and Ryan uh, and Devin up there uh, getting out to a lot of games. Where are you headed this week? Anywhere in particular? The rain's going to dictate what we're doing. Uh, there is a game on the radar out in the Sacramento area. Uh, we're going to go out and see Roseville High. Um, we're, gonna, we're just trying to – what we're trying to do is the population areas are so spread out. We're trying to jump into each week in a certain area and see about you know, four teams that we can out there. So, uh, again, weather is making it a little bit dodgy. Not everybody's field conditions are the same. So it's a little bit of a standby. But I am looking forward to getting out to Roseville this week. There's a Kasumnas Oaks team out in Elk Grove as well that's got some good players. And um, looking forward to seeing them very soon and hopefully even this week. Awesome. Yeah, I look forward to seeing them uh, next month up in Fresno at the Fresno Easter Classic. All right, Blaine. Well, thanks again for your time. Until next time, uh, you know, keep grinding out there and, and we'll be uh, following along. Welcome back to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I'm your host, Les Lukacs, and I'm excited to take you inside the dugout with this week's guest, uh, head coach Jeff Prieto, who is now the head coach at Clovis North. Uh, coach Prieto has a long-standing history uh, in the Central Valley, uh, was an assistant coach there uh, for a number of years uh, before heading off to coach in the college ranks and uh, coming back to the Central Valley. Coach, really appreciate you being with me here, uh, spending some time. Uh, excited to learn a little bit more about uh, not only your background, but your team this year. Uh, so thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. So, Coach, you 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 know, you, we talked about your ties to the Central Valley. Uh, you were an assistant coach there for a long time and uh, had an opportunity to coach three big leaguers. Uh, as a head coach, you've had a number of guys drafted. What is it about the Central Valley? Uh, you and I were just chatting a little bit about how it's kind of this big area that has a small town feel to it. But what is it about that area that just produces talent on a yearly basis when it comes to baseball and, and you know, basically every other sport as well? Yeah, you know, it, it's always been a baseball town. And I think it goes back, I mean, all the way to back when Pete Biden was the head coach at Fresno State. And then, you know, my granddad followed him as the head coach and was there for 34 years. But you just get all these guys that play for coaches like that. And then they go on to coach uh, all over the valley. You know, I, I know when I was in high school at one point when I was going to Buchanan, um, I was the second graduating class over there, but I think every single coach almost in the Valley had played for either Pete Biden or my granddad, you know, so that baseball tradition and pride and, you know, all that stuff just gets passed down from generation to generation. And you get a bunch of these baseball rat guys that all are like-minded, you know, coaching throughout the Valley. And I think that's, that's kind of where it starts. There's a big common tie that runs throughout, you know, and, and, at some point there's been a national power here you know it was uh bullard in the 70s 80s early 90s hoover had a run where they were a powerhouse you know and then clovis high won the first clovis baseball valley championship in 95 and then now here we are in 2019 and and clovis high has won seven valley championships and you know, back-to-back -back national titles. Buchanan's won six Valley Championship and two national titles. So, um, you know, baseball tr tradition runs pretty deep around here. Yeah, and your your ties to it are, are are certainly visible all over the place. So let's talk a little bit about just kind of your coaching path here a little bit. Um, you, you were coaching as an assistant, had, headed over to uh, coach at UNLV there with Buddy Goldsmith, who who runs PBR Nevada yeah. for us. Uh, great guy. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Came back. Uh, you were at Sunnyside High School uh, before taking the job at Central, and now you're at Clovis North in the track, which is widely considered one of the 
two, three, four best leagues in the entire state. What is it about that league specifically, Coach, that that just – it seems as though every year there is one or two teams from that league, you know, that are, you know, top ten teams in the state. You know, this, this week is no different. We have you guys at number six, and we have Buchanan at number ten in the state. But what is it about that league? You talked about, obviously, the tradition uh, in the area, but that league specifically seems as though, uh, you know, the, the programs are always top – notch the support from administrators appears there the facilities are second to none but what is it about that league specifically uh, or even just in general that makes it such a good baseball league well i mean you hit on some of it you know it, it goes back to all the way back when doc buchanan was the superintendent of our district and he hung his hat on facilities you know it kind of if you build it we're going to get good players here um, and our, our ballpark, we're lucky, you know, and we keep doing upgrades and facility upgrades. And there's, you know, I think all the Clovis coaches compete a little bit with each other, even when it comes to facilities, you know, you go over to Buchanan and see something you like there. And then you feel like, okay, we got to figure out how we're going to outdo these guys now at all our ballpark. Um, but at the bottom line, it's players, you know, and this area has just got a lot of good players and they start playing baseball and they're really little, um, you know, and they're getting quality coaching. Going back to what I said about the Fresno State guys, you can go to our River Park is our big feeder, and it's an awesome facility. It's in Fresno, and you go and watch. My son's in that league, and he's 11. So any game I went out to, there was probably at least one former Fresno State All-American big leaguer coaching these 11-year-old teams. I mean, on every single team, you had that kind of quality coaching. So guys are getting that experience and getting taught baseball from quality guys at a young age, you know, and then with, with our coaches, um, in this league, I mean, they're, they're all great at every school, no matter which school you go to, they all respect the game. They all have great knowledge of the game and they do a good job getting their teams ready. So, um, we're pretty lucky to have the good players, but also we have great facilities and great coaches in this league too. It seems as though that area kind of has, I guess for lack of better terms, a little bit of chip on their shoulder, right? They're not, they're not the Bay area. They're not not SoCal, right? So you're you're kind of in the middle and it seems as though there's a lot of pride in that, at least from, you know, my outside perspective, I've born and raised in SoCal. Uh, I've never, you know, I've lived in Oregon for about eight months, but outside of that, my entire life's been spent in Southern California. Uh, But it seems as though there's a lot of pride in kind of being that, almost that that forgotten area and then you show up on a baseball field and it's like well this is what you know clovis fresno central valley baseball is all about i mean is that pretty accurate yeah yeah that's accurate i mean you know i've got buddies that are scouts and i you know sometimes i talk to one of my my good friends was my roommate in college and when he was playing in the big leagues we lived together josh lavendera and, you know, he'll he'll talk about, you know, the Valley Christians and the schools up north. And then I'll hear from, uh, you know, a Shane Bowers with the Phillies or somebody about the teams down south, you know, and you just it, it does. You, you want to be mentioned in the same breath with all those great Jay Sarah and Harvard Westlake and all those guys. So, yeah, I think there is a little bit of chip on our shoulder. But I think, you know, what we've done here. Um, in the last 15, 20 years kind of speaks for itself as far as what the Clovis schools have done and, and everything else. But yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, no question. The last 15 years certainly have been a special ride. And I think this year could be another special run, you know, for you guys in particular, uh, you, you've got a lot of talent on this roster, uh, you know, obviously you, you have uh, three 2019s that are committed and, you know, Blaine Clemens, who runs our, our Northern scout, our Northern California scouting division was down to see you guys uh, a week or so ago and yeah. got eyes on, on Riley Cooper and, and Cooper's a guy I saw at the area code games last summer, the underclass area code games. And, you know, he's one of those guys that didn't overpower a lot of dudes, but man, did he just slice through a lineup in front of, you know, 30 college coaches with each one of them just kind of left their head scratching. What, what can you tell us a little bit about Cooper? Uh, you, you know, kind of his competitiveness, what, what you expect from him and, and what he delivers for you uh, on a day in and day out basis. Yeah. Well, he's a beast. I mean, he's one of those guys you, you know, we were lucky enough. We had uh, Colton Eastman when, when we were at central, we had him for, 
two years. And that was one of those guys where it's like, you don't think you're going to get another guy like that. I mean, just the talent, the tools, the competitiveness, um, you know, he goes on to Cal state Fullerton. He's the national freshman of the year, pitches them to the college world series. Um, you're lucky to have a guy like that and you don't, you don't think you're going to get another one. Well, we got another one and Riley's the same kind of guy. Um, just a bulldog, you know, he, he smells the finish of a game, whether you're bringing him in, which we've done a couple times, uh, late inning relief just to finish a game out. But, um, you know, this year he's, he's already three and oh, he's, he's got, uh, I think he's thrown 18 innings, 26 K's, only three walks, you know, ERA right around one and, uh, just nasty stuff. You know, he's been up to 91 this year. Uh, power breaking ball guy, but just the the makeup, the competitiveness is is what what drives him and gets him going. Another guy that that really caught our attention was Brady Crow, and and the way Blaine put it was if if you know this guy's a Division One pitcher headed over to uh, Division Two Fresno Pacific, and yeah, he really really liked him on the mound to close out that game. What can you tell us about Brady Crow? Yeah, well, Brady started at third base for us all last year and didn't really throw it all in any games. Um, he worked out with the pitchers uh, all last year and did all of our daily throwing drills and bullpens and stuff. Um, but he really worked on his body a lot in the off season. Um, you know, got in really good shape, and then he started throwing for for us during the summer and for his the Marlins uh, scout team that we have here in town. And I mean, the velocity just was jumping. I mean, he went from low eighties to high eighties and even touching 90, 91 with, with a hard slider, you know, a slider that's 84 miles an hour. So, um, that's really his best pitch. And, um, I mean, having those two guys as a one, two makes us pretty competitive against whoever we're playing. So he'll be a big one for us. And, and like I said, he he didn't throw a whole lot last year. So there weren't a whole lot of guys on him. And then guys started hearing about him during the summer and it, it was like everybody jumping on late and Fresno Pacific, um, made him a great offer and he's a super smart kid. He gets great grades. I mean, he's above a 4.0 guy, um, for his entire high school career. And, um, you know, schools like Northridge were coming in late, but Fresno Pacific had an offer on the table for him. And I, I called him and told him, Hey, you might want to hold off before you make any commitment. And unless that's absolutely what you want to do, because I think this is just the beginning of some teams that are going to start jumping on you, but he loved Fresno Pacific. He was ready to do it. And he made the call that day and let me know that he was committing to him. So he'll be huge for us this year. Uh, that's awesome. You, you return a junior infielder, Cason Brownwell. He had a really, really strong sophomore season for you. Uh, he was second team all track. And how's mm-hmm. he developing? Where do you see his future position, uh, you know, potentially uh, on a collegiate level? Yeah, well, Brownell, he's uh, he started for us pretty much every game at second base last year, and he really swung it well. We hit him in the two hole. We hit him down six a little bit, and um, he got off to a little bit of a slow start this winter, um, but he's in the lineup now, and he's starting at second base for us. He's made some phenomenal plays, just got great range. He might end up being our shortstop next year. He's just had some pretty dang good shortstops ahead of him, and that, like you said, he's only a junior, so... Uh, right now he's hitting six. He got a big triple for us the other night against hurt when we were playing Turlock. Um, you know, and if, if we didn't have that cold, wet Fresno February air, he probably hits the ball out. We probably hit three home runs in that game and his would have been one of them. But, uh, yeah, he's going to be big for us, especially when we have guys like that hitting down in the order, you know, six, seven that can hit with some power that always gives the lineup a big boost. A couple of other guys that figured who, you know, be the, uh, the run producers, if you will. And, you know, maybe some power guys for you, uh, senior Chris Ortega and, and, uh, sophomore Blake King. Uh, those are guys that we noted down as, as potential run producers, power guys for you. What can you tell us about those two? Yeah. Well, Blake, Blake hasn't been in the lineup for us, uh, yet, but, uh, Chris has been our three hitter and he's been phenomenal all year. Um, he's got a lot of power, and he's got a good feel for the strike zone. What I've what I've really been impressed with this year is his plate discipline. You know, um, getting three one, taking good pitches, having good takes. 
where last year, you know, he maybe comes out of his shoes for a ball that he's not looking for in that count and swings anyway. But um, he's really been great. He's got a ton of extra base hits. Shoot, I think we have 53 hits as a team right now through seven games, and 25 of them are for extra bases. And uh, we've walked 44 times and only struck out 29. So when you have guys that are able to extend innings and, and grind out at bats and take walks, and then you have, you know, 29 uh, extra base hits, that that produces a lot of runs and can break some teams' backs with two outs. And Chris has been that main guy. He's been our big run producer this year, and he's really playing well and playing well at third base too. He really worked hard defensively to be ready to go. Last year he was a DH um and we did not play him at third at all and we let him know in the off season look we, we need you to be in the lineup because we got a lot of guys that can dh we need you to be able to play defense and he really put in the time and got a lot better for us and then another guy that's been a, a great surprise was off our jv team nolan in he's a junior um he was our leading hitter throughout the fall and the winter summer and he's been leading off for us hit a home run the other day hit a ball off the top of the wall with the bases loaded um, and he's been great. I mean, I, I haven't seen a high school guy with a better feel for the strike zone than him. And he's uh, played some second base for us. We moved him to right field a little bit just to try to get a little more offensive lineup in there. And um, he also pitches. So we're, we've got some depth on the mound, which uh, that'll allow us to keep him, you know, probably in the field more times than not. Yeah, you talk about the depth on the mound. I mean, you're going to need that with with your schedule. I mean, obviously, you played the. We'll play the likes of Redwood, Madera, Bullard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Stockdale early in the season. You know, yep. you, you just played Turlock. You had Elk Grove coming. Oh, and then by the way, you've got the Fresno Easter Classic and the track, right? So it's not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not as though this is. And we got. San Joaquin Memorial and then Santana High School. One of my old assistant coaches is the head coach there out of San Diego. We drew them too. So that'll be a lot of fun. A lot of good teams. But uh, yeah, um, depth on the mound is our biggest strength. We've got seven guys that are 85 mile an hour plus guys. Um, so we're pretty lucky, you know, three of those guys have touched 90 at some point during the season. All of them are strike throwers. All of them get ground balls. All of them work ahead in the count. So uh, we've got a lot that we talked about a little bit. Our big 6'4 right-hander in addition to Crow and Cooper. Uh, he's a late bloomer kind of guy. He didn't throw it all for us, and now he's big 6'4 guy. He's uh, he's two, he's thrown nine innings um, this year and really done a good job for us. He's been anywhere from 90 to 92. He's flashed a really good breaking ball, 12-6 breaking ball at times. And then uh, Caden Larson, who's a sophomore, and he's on a, the NorCal team uh, for Rob Bruno, and he's getting attention from some Pac-12 schools and, and Cal State Fullerton. And he's had three appearances for us this year, six innings. He's got a zero ERA, uh, funky left-hander, like a high three-quarter guy. And uh, he's been mid-80s with a really good slider, good breaking ball. So those have been the keys for us so far on the mound. But we've got another four or five guys that haven't seen an inning that can all pitch, you know. So in that tournament setting, we're, we're a pretty good team. Yeah, well, I will certainly be up for that tournament. And just that schedule came out last week, and we've already yeah. been talking about, okay, who's covering what games, what games are we <laughs> yeah. going to, you know, that 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 matchup uh, that you guys have early in in, in that uh, in that tournament should be pretty exciting. Well, yeah, coach, I I, I want to thank you for for making some time for us and just coming on and, and talking a little bit about your team and about your players. Uh, you know, Central Valley baseball is is very, very good baseball, as those of us that follow this stuff for a living know. Uh, you know, we wanted to just shed a little bit of light on it as you guys, you know, coming in as the number six team in the state for us. Uh, you know, you guys are obviously loaded. and We expect a deep run out of you guys, as I'm sure you do as well. Uh, but, you know, we'll be up uh, for the Fresno Easter Classic next month. I will be. I look forward to uh, seeing you then and chatting in person and, and seeing you guys play. But again, I just want to thank you for coming on and and. and sharing some of your time with us yeah you bet thanks for having me on and uh i'm looking forward to seeing you guys when you come for easter and thanks for everything you guys are doing with with pbr and for high school baseball it's really been cool to follow and watch and i know all the coaches here really appreciate what you guys do
Welcome back to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I'm your host, Les Lukacs. At PBR, we are always looking to expand our coverage, obviously within our own states, but uh, nationally as well. Having said that, I'm really, really excited to have this next guest with us. Uh, his name is Dan Jurek. Dan is our new uh, director of both Washington and Oregon, which we la- launched in here in the less than two weeks ago, about a week and a half ago. Uh, Dan is a former collegiate pitcher at St. John Fisher College, was a 25th round pick of the Braves, uh, played several years of pro ball uh, before joining the PBR family, where he, his duties uh, included coverage of collegiate summer leagues, uh, working in the Northeast, and just a little bit of everything. DJ, man, thanks for joining us. Uh, how excited are you about what's going on there in the Pacific Northwest? And, uh, you know, I know you've been running around here the last couple of weeks with your head on, with your hair on fire. You know, you're able to uh, kind of slow things down and catch up a little bit. Thanks for having me, Les. Uh, obviously, very excited to be here and very excited to be on board with PBR now. Uh, you guys got things started up on the West Coast, you know, just about two years ago with California. And I'm just looking to do my part to continue the West Coast domination and get operations going in Washington and Oregon. Been on the road this past weekend, went down to Corvallis and watched a couple games between Oregon State and West Virginia. And actually just finished up my little road trip yesterday afternoon watching the Oregon Ducks take on Loyola Marymount. So got to head back up to the Seattle area later this afternoon, kind of get all the notes in there, get all the information to Dave Seifert with the collegiate scouting, and then start to get ready for the high school season, which is getting underway here. Yeah, as we as I mentioned, you know, Dan's been a little bit of a vagabond here. It's kind of, you know, traveling through both states here just to get some coverage up and and get things going. And and you know, Dan, you you come into a territory that in recent years is is really just kind of blown up in terms of prospects that are being produced. And and we'll start with Washington. There's a number of different players up there that that are are really excitable, uh, you know, players. And, and one in particular who has a lot of helium and draft eyes right now. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Corbin Carroll? Yeah, I think at this point, any conversation that revolves around prospects in the Pacific Northwest ultimately has to start with Corbin Carroll, and rightfully so. Just looking back at the track record that he's put up over the last two years. Um, against really good competition, whether it's area code games or Team USA, all he's done since he's got onto the national scene is hit and hit at a very high level. When you add in the fact that he's an above average runner who projects to stay in center field, he's got a clean arm action, good carry on all his throws, understands, you know, all the little nuances of the game, very high baseball IQ, um, and phenomenal makeup. If you ask Rody about Corbin Carroll, you better clear your schedule for the rest of the day because Rody loves this guy. And that's about as high as praise as you could possibly get out in the scouting world. So it'll be interesting to see what he looks like this spring physically, if he's bulked up, if he's added some weight, um, maybe if he tries to tap into more of a power stroke to maybe boost his draft status. Um, but he's going to hit and all eyes will be on him at Lakeside High School this spring, and it's going to be a uh, exciting time of year for that high school and just the area with Corbin out there doing his thing. Yeah, Corbin Carroll's a guy we saw at the area code games, and it just seemed like every time you looked up, he was doing something that just made you say, wow. Uh, I mean, <laughs> elite runner, as you mentioned, really can handle the bat. You know, for a guy his size, there's some power in there. Uh, you know, just and and the, what he does in the outfield is is pretty impressive. But he, Lakeside's not a one man show, right? I mean, they've got an arm up there that's got you a little bit excited too, right? Yeah, they got a 2019 arm, Jared Fikes, who's headed to Santa Clara. It's going to be down in you know obviously your area for PBR California. Um, he was also at Area Codes. I haven't seen him personally, but reports are that he's an upper 80s arm, good build, projectable. So it'll be exciting to see what he can do. And obviously when you're playing with a probable first rounder, scouts are always going to be out in attendance, you know, for those guys that are playing either with Corbin or against Corbin, it usually brings their a game every single time out just because of the adrenaline and the hype and all those eyes behind home plate. So it would be curious to see who else can kind of pop and get onto the scene 
just based on the exposure they're going to get being associated with such a high-profile prospect for this upcoming spring. It's really interesting to me just looking at some of the guys that, that we were going to discuss here and just the the range of the Pac-12 is, is pretty wild to me, right? Because mm-hmm. the guys, that, the four guys we're going to talk about here from Washington are all headed to California Pac-12 schools, uh, which is really interesting to me. So let's jump right into those guys. Cole Hinkleman uh, headed to Stanford. What, what do you got on him? Cole Hinkleman is a big physical athlete, you know, corner outfield, first base type, left-handed bat, has some really easy power. Shooter Hunt saw him down at Jupiter, and he was just flicking balls over the right field fence with easy backspin, Um, not a lot of effort into his swing, very smooth, very polished. He looks like the type of guy that will settle into a 3-4-5 position in the lineup down the road, and, you know, if the power projects and gets him to the, um, if the power plays at the next level, that's going to really help him moving forward. And that'll be the biggest challenge is how does he do against those Pac-12 arms that obviously are going to be pretty polished and pretty advanced. Um, Another Stanford guy that that we wanted to just touch on real quick out of the Washington area kid headed to Stanford, Henry Gargas. Uh, You you talked a little bit before we hopped on air, how Stanford does a really good Mm -hmm. job of getting these guys on campus. And here's a guy that you think that, that probably will fit that mold. Yeah, Henry Gargas is an interesting, you know, prospect. He actually is a pretty polished left-handed pitcher um, coming back from an arm injury. So I don't know if we'll see him on the bump this spring, but he was running it up to the upper 80s from the left side. Uh, Again, first base corner outfield type of profile, stocky, muscular build. Looks like he could be like a strong safety on the football field. He's going to be another physical left-handed bat that might find his way into the middle of the Cardinal lineup. Um, And he, again... If the power translates to the Pac-12 between Gargas and Hinkleman, the Stanford lineup is going to be pretty formidable, you know, for years to come. Yeah, and then another guy that that kind of fits that Stanford mold of just, or mold, excuse me, of just kind of a you know scrappy player, a guy that you know every seemingly every winning collegiate program has on their on their roster. Uh, tell us a little bit about Owen Cobb. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Owen Cobb is just that throwback ball player who does everything well. Uh, He's playing shortstop at Garfield High School, could probably switch over to third, second base, you know, without any issues. Um, Doesn't necessarily have an elite standout tool, but he can just play. He's got good baseball instincts, good baseball IQ, um, and he's going to get the job done, whether it's a quality at bat, making the routine play, or simply just taking a walk you know, in a, in a tight situation, he's a steady, uh, ball player type that should transition pretty well to the college level. Yeah. So Washington, isn't your only area of coverage. Uh, you, as we mentioned, you, you were dipping your toe and heading down into covering Oregon as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Oregon is, is a, you know, it's an interesting state, right? I mean, the top, the top level of talent in the state is, is can compete, nationally in my opinion in terms of prospects uh you know but then you get some of that middle level talent that that fills out a lot of collegiate rosters and they seem to excel on that level and looks like you've got a handful of guys uh here on your list that you wanted to chat about that that will either be that top level guy you know certainly a guy like uh Dernetti potentially uh you know but then you have guys that you know that that will certainly mix in to those rosters but then you have a 2020 guy that we'll talk about last that has us all really excited so why don't you why don't we start off with mickey thompson uh, headed to washington state yeah mickey thompson is a smooth long loose left-handed pitcher out of century high school headed to washington state and could be kind of similar to what i've seen in the northeast over the last six years where the pacific northwest has some guys that will get onto the national scene and they'll do well and they'll get into that, you know, Pac-12 recruiting class. And then they kind of pop late, whether it's the physical development or just, you know, focusing primarily more on baseball for uh, a full calendar year with strength training and nutrition and all that. Mickey Thompson seems like he could be that guy. He's very close to really kind of establishing himself as a surefire, you know, weekend type of arm. Um, so I think seeing what he can do this spring and then down the road, how he develops physically will be pretty important to projecting, you know, his ultimate, uh, role 
with the Cougars. And then, not to be outdone, down at Lake Oswego High School, you have Alex Jarrows headed up to UW to be with the Huskies next year. He has that polish and pitchability that plays very well right away at the college level. Um, you know, mid to upper 80s, he's not going to blow it by you with the fastball, but there's definitely some juice behind it. Um, but he can spin it. He can pitch from the stretch. He understands how to get hitters off balance. He has a, a very well-rounded type of arsenal that should find him getting some opportunities right away next year. And then you already mentioned Kyle Dernetti from Twalton, and I hope I pronounced that right. I've been working on my pronunciation since I got here. Um, utility guy, headed to Oregon State. Uh, shooter loved him at the area code games. Well-rounded baseball player, does everything right, you know, good athlete. He was a high school football player as well, so he's going to kind of fill into that typical beaver baseball grinder type that does everything well and just gets the baseball plays every every routine baseball player Kyle Dene is going to make for you basically you talked about Giroux there a little bit you know he's just kind of one of those athletic right-handed pitchers that he's got a feel for pitching he's not going to overwhelm you uh, in terms of velocity and it seems like coach Kelly and now coach Prettyman and 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 coach Meggs obviously up at UW they they have kind of identified the type of players they want to recruit and and Giroux sounds like that type of guy right a guy that's just going to compete a guy that's going to you know maximize his tools presently and while working on developing them uh, it's just it, it's really fun from my perspective to see how these schools recruit because you know, then it's, it, it, it makes it a little easier from our end to identify, okay, well, that guy could fit, you know, at Stanford, for example, or that guy could fit, mm-hmm. you know, UCLA or, you know, in the case of Zero, UW, uh, you know, Dernetti, you talked about, you know, being a scrapper, uh, uh, you know, type player that's i mean that's a prototypical oregon state right it's 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 pretty funny but let's talk about what you and i believe to be you know probably the elite name coming out of the pacific northwest in the 2020 class and here's a guy that that you know overall in in the country will be in the mix for for that top you know three five ten position uh you know mick abel what can you tell us about him oh boy um mick abel crosses off all the checklist items when you're just looking for the physical build and overall size that you want in a starting pitcher you know six three six four wide shoulders proportional frame uh moves around like a very athletic individual and then when he gets on the mound and he's got smooth easy mechanics low effort 89 to 93 feel for spin flashes a change up Um, All very polished, makes it look really easy, uh, clean direction towards home plate. I mean, you could keep going with this kid for for hours and never run out of positive things to say. He's he's just a guy. Um, You know, he'll be at he's at Jesuit High School right now, and he's going to have a lot of eyes on him, not just this spring, but into the summer, especially. Um, And then probably into the fall moving forward to just see how he projects and how he stacks up to a really strong 2020 high school class. And I think Rody and Shooter Hunt have done a good job of just reaffirming this 2020 class nationally is going to be a powerhouse moving forward. So he's going to have a lot of guys kind of competing against him for that, you know, upper echelon, top 10, top 15 type of spot. It'll be really exciting to see what he can go out and do there this spring to kind of cement himself as, you know, if not one of the premium arms, the premium arm in the entire country yeah that is that class is absolutely loaded i know that in california it's as good a class as we've had here in a couple of years and just looking at some stuff nationally it, it looks you're you're 100 right i mean it is a loaded loaded class so, so dj let's talk about you know what you're doing in terms of coverage obviously you're, mm-hmm. you've been out and about a lot and uh, seeing a lot of college games and um, you know making those introductions and, and reconnections with college coaches uh, let's talk a little bit about the prep side when's the season get started you know what's your plan for coverage uh, up there for the season uh, and then you have a you have an event coming up pretty soon here i want you to tell us a little bit about that as well yeah so the high school season will i guess officially kind of get started on a week from today on monday the 11th this upcoming weekend you'll see a lot of teams doing their jamborees where they do some controlled scrimmages where they'll face off against a couple other teams uh kind of keep things pretty scripted but get out there and compete 
but Monday the 11th is going to be when the pedal kind of hits the metal and, and we get out there and try to cu- crush this uh, coverage between two terrorists between two territories as best as we possibly can. Getting back to the event, just put something on the books for late June down at the Ridgefield Outdoor Recreation Complex, which is a brand new altar facility um, that's about 30 minutes north of Portland. So it's still in Washington State, but what I love about this location is I think it's going to be able to appeal to both territories, where you can get down there if you're a Washington guy, and then you know that Portland area, which is heavily populated and has a lot of really good players, you could shoot up and cross the border, and you're pretty much right on the field. So that's going to be one of our first events, if not the first, to kind of really get PBR established in the territory. We have a great venue. We're very excited about that. And we're just going to try to blow that event out of the water and see how many kids we can get from that 2020 to that 2023 graduating class. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the ideal scenario there. We did something similar here in California when we launched, and, and we were really pleasantly surprised with not only the coverage, but uh, the uh, the response to our coverage. And I'm sure you'll have a very similar response uh, to your area because, as we mentioned, the talent level is so high. Uh, it's an underserved area, that's for certain. Uh, you, you know, but hey, DJ, really appreciate you uh, hopping on with us and spending some time and just chatting a little bit about both Washington and Oregon players, uh, as well as what you plan on doing here uh, in the spring. Uh, be sure to give a follow uh, to PBR Washington. Uh, it's under PBR underscore Washington, PBR underscore Oregon. Uh, as Dan and his team will will keep you abreast on all the top players, top teams, uh, and top news coming out of those two states. So, Dan, again, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck. And uh, as always, we're here to help any way we possibly can. Thanks, Les. I appreciate that. I'm glad I finally got my first podcast out of the way. You guys, uh, you set the bar pretty high. I was a little nervous rolling into this, but hopefully uh, I did all right. And you see some projection down the road for me. Uh, man, right now I, I got a 45 grade on you, uh, but big, big upside player in my book. All right. Well, we'll circle back and do this again. We'll see if I can boost that 45. <laughs> no doubt. Thanks, DJ. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Les. Welcome in to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I am your host, Les Lukach. I am pleased to be joined once again by SoCal scout Steve Doherty. Doe, busy week last week, another busy week uh, scheduled this week. Hopefully the rain cooperates with us. Uh, how you doing, man? Good weekend? Excellent weekend, and uh, it was a good, good good week of games there in the past week. So let's get right yeah. to it. Yeah, let's let's jump right in there. On Monday, you got over to Blair Field there and uh, got eyes on Milliken and Tribuco Hills, two teams that have uh, some pretty good talent on those rosters. Let us know what you saw there. Yeah, Tribuco Hills out of the Seaview League, who are currently standing five and four against the Rams, who are five and two out of the Moore League. And uh, I actually caught the second half of the doubleheader. I know that Julian Aguiar from from Milliken went the first game and he threw really well. I came in on the second game and saw junior right-hander Tyler Conant, who's an uncommitted guy. Uh, saw some really good things from him. Uh, and, uh, and there were some, obviously some standouts in that game too. Christian, Christian Yogi catcher utility player for the Rams who really stood out. And there were some really good pitching performances as well. I really uh, liked a guy, Sam, Sammy Murphy, from Tribuco Hill, six foot four, hundred sixty-five pound senior who really uh, impressed me just with his one inning of work. He was up to eighty-seven, had a had eleven five curveball, and he was really throwing a lot of strikes. So something uh, something to to look forward to for him to follow him this this season and, uh, and and hopefully he might get scooped up here at the end of the season. So saw some really nice things. Uh, Milliken took the second half of the doubleheader for nothing. They actually swept the doubleheader. So um, had a good night, real cold night at Blairfield. 
Yeah, that, that's pretty typical there this time of year, right? You know, just touch on a couple of those guys. We saw Yogi a bunch during the summer and the fall, and he's one of those guys just kind of – he reminds me a lot of Caden Connor at Orange Lutheran where the more you see him, the more you just appreciate, you know, his tools and his skill set. And, you know, it's definitely a skill set that, that can help some college on some level. And, and then Conant, you know, I saw him before we headed out to Chicago there at the end of January, and – you know, he's a guy that, that he's got a lot of a lot of attention right now from college coaches. Uh, you know, I, we saw when I saw him, he was up to 87, uh, 88. There's just that funky kind of cutter ball that he pitches that is really, really intriguing. And, and then I like what you what you wrote about Murphy in the video that you sent over was really, really good on him, too. You know, so on Tuesday, I headed over to and I got eyes on Norco against Santiago, uh, you know, the big league or the big eight league, excuse me. Uh, season opener for both of those guys. And, you know, Norco's got a couple guys that, you know, both of us have seen quite a bit and Chris Conniff and Menelik Israel. Uh, you know, Conniff, I really liked at shortstop, the left-handed bat, uh, you know, plays now. He shows the ability to go the other way. Uh, Israel is, is pretty raw still, I think, at the plate. Uh, you know, defensively, obviously, he has tools that uh, allow him to go get it, and he's got a pretty big arm uh, in, in the outfield. You know, but for Santiago, uh, Jake Blonde, a guy that you and I both like, was, was man, this guy was nails. I mean, he was dropping the curveball in for strikes whenever he wanted his feel for the changeup has gotten a lot better. Uh, you know, he was pounding guys in, pounding them away. Uh, just a really, really impressive outing. It was one of those games where you just hate to see a team lose, you know. I mean, it was just a really well-played game on both sides. And, you know, that's just kind of what you come to expect out of big league or big eight league baseball. Uh, but then, hey, on Wednesday, Doe, you got over, uh, got eyes on uh, the new number one team in the state, Huntington Beach. Uh, tell us what you saw there. Yeah, Riverside Poly from the Ivy League came in, and I really wanted to check out Connor Timko, who's a first baseman outfielder slash left-handed pitcher. And, uh, you know, I've seen a ton uh, of Connor uh, in the summer and the fall. Really like what he brings to the table, um, and it seemed to be one of those, um, you know, uh, games that was it was all offense. Uh, Connor hit a home run in the first inning. Uh, Josh Hahn hit his fourth of the game. Uh, Brett Barrera hit one out. And so it was, it was all offense for them. And then at the very end of the game, Shane Stafford went, went yard. He hit a grand slam. And so, this, you know, the Oilers seem to be firing all cylinders pretty early here in the season and got a good, good pitching performance uh, from Dylan Ramirez. And it was just one of those games where, uh, you know, Huntington put the foot on the gas pedal and uh, and and they really kind of flexed their muscles uh, on, on that game. So it was it was it was tough sledding for the Bears uh, playing the Oilers. And uh, you know, looking forward, looking forward, the Oilers are just going to be really tough to beat in that Sunset League. And so, um, but excited to watch. Yeah, I think they're going to be tough to beat in in the NHSI as well. I mean, they're they're just a really good team right now. That offense, like you said, is just clicking on all cylinders. And you know, the one thing that nobody really talks about with Huntington Beach is the fact that you know they have 13 seniors on that roster. You know, a lot of these guys have been around for the you know Nick Prado, Hagen Danner days, and you know they're kind of finally coming out of that limelight, if you will, and stepping into their own. So, really impressive early going here for Huntington beach. And, you know, they have the manpower and obviously the coaching uh, to go pretty deep here in, in the postseason Once that starts, obviously a long ways away uh, until then, but Hey, Friday night, you got out to what was, you know, arguably the marquee matchup of the week, at least in, uh, in SoCal, if not the entire state uh, you had at the time, number one, orange Lutheran going against uh, at the time, number six, uh, Cyprus, you know, Cyprus, Coach Weber, a guy you and I both really, really like. And you had never beaten Olu since Eric Borba took over for the Lancers. So, uh, you know, this was a, a game that was highly anticipated on a, on a number of different levels. And, you know, it proved to be a pretty darn good one for you. Absolutely. You know, the um, that game, uh, number one, obviously, in our power 25 against number six, Cyprus. And it was a highly touted game. A lot of scouts out there to to watch. And, uh, you know, we got an excellent high drama game. Um, Brett Wozniak from, from Cyprus, the lefty committed to Nebraska, just, 
just one of those old school throwback pitchers sitting in between the 81 to 86 range, gets all his pitches over for strikes, really commands the zone. And, and what, what a fantastic competitor he is. And on the other side for Olu, Christian Rodriguez, the uncommitted kid who obviously won't be uncommitted for very long. He just had another spectacular outing, went four innings. Um, they ran him out of there, but I really think he, he actually could have stayed in maybe an, an inning longer. And, uh, it was just, you know, fantastic game defensive on both sides. You know, the, the Centurions, I really have a stout defense and it's really tough to get that ball uh, through the infield there with Murphy at short. And uh, they just really played well. And, you know, in the end they took it and uh, man, what a fantastic game that was and a really good atmosphere at Hart park, really cold night. Um, and it was just, just great high school base. And, you know, that it's funny you say that great high school baseball, right? Because that's what I felt after the game on Tuesday. I mean, on, on the way home, I was texting Ty to Trinidad head coach at Santiago. And I said, that was just a great high school baseball game. Like it was one of those things where, I mean, everybody was dialed in. It was one, you know, everybody is on every pitch. I mean, obviously as the game went on, you know, the, the, the tension grew and grew and grew. And, you know, before Norco finally won in a walk-off one, nothing, but I mean, it was just one of those things where it's just a great high school game. And for us, you know, for what we do, it's fun to see those those kind of games early in the season uh, because, you know, it is a long season and these guys will be playing a lot of games. But, you know, early in the season, it's so much fun to, to see those types of games. And and, you know, hopefully we'll get a couple more this week. Uh, Doe, where, where are you headed this week? Where, you know, I know the, the weather is supposed to wreak some havoc here, but uh, where, where are you planning on getting out to this week? Well, today, you know, Foothills at Servite, um, a couple players over at Foothill. We all know about the Servite guys, uh, Alex Sardina, Kyle Ashworth over at Foothill. Haven't got in to see them. A uh, couple more games Tuesday, Jay Sarah's at Huntington Beach. Uh, Esperanza at CDM is an interesting game. I know there's another one in San Diego. Maybe Jack can get out to the Retro Bernardo Torrey Pines game that I want to I wanna see what happens in that game. And so uh, – you know, Thursday, there's a Norco at, at Corona. Would love to get out to see those guys. I know you just uh, you just saw Norco and you've seen Corona. Um, I've seen them a bunch in the past, just haven't seen them a whole bunch this year. So um, a lot of options going forward. I know we're going to have to deal with a little bit of weather this year and maybe make some adjustments. But um, a lot of baseball going on this weekend and or this week and um, just ready to get out there. Cover yeah, it all. I- I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, potentially Grace Brethren versus Downey today, uh, possibly Laguna Beach versus Fountain Valley uh, next week. That you know there should be or tomorrow, excuse me, a lot of arms in that game with Brooks for Fountain Valley and potentially Silva and or Clausen for Laguna Beach. So it's really trying to sort through pitching rotations and see who's throwing who here. Uh, but yeah, busy busy week here and. Uh, you know, just excited to get out and cover it all for uh, baseballreport.com where you can find our game notes uh, daily, uh, video, uh, scouting reports. Uh, obviously, we just released our Power 25 for this week, and that's up on prepbaseballreport.com. Thanks, Doe. I really appreciate you coming on, uh, recapping last week and giving us a little preview of this week. Uh, we'll look forward to following up with you here in the next couple of days. Uh, until then, man, stay dry out there and uh, have a blast. Thanks, Les.